Because Jesus is alive, we know that he is returning in that glorious day that gives us hope for today. As we uh, enter into our time of looking into God's word and hear a message of hope this morning, uh, I was thinking that I usually try to do some humorous joke or tell a funny Easter story, um, but, but I, I just couldn't reconcile that in my heart with this season of life that we're in. It just didn't feel like it was the right tone. I, I know it's good to laugh in difficult times, and we've had some, some fun this morning already, uh, but during this message time, I just I couldn't help but feel like this is such a difficult time for us, not only in our country and in our local community, but, but around the world as a global community. In many ways, this is a, a typical Sunday of celebration, and yet we find ourselves struggling in the midst of this coronavirus and wondering what the future holds and how do we continue to have hope in this time. In many ways, we are burying and saying goodbye to so many things these days. And around the world, people are burying and saying goodbye to people that they love. But the good news of Easter is that we do not grieve without hope. In fact, we're reminded by the Easter story that the Christian life actually begins with grief and sorrow. The grief and sorrow of a whole world gone wrong. In the prophecy of Isaiah 53, 3, that Cindy shared with us at our weekday check-in this last Wednesday, we're reminded that the prophecy of the Messiah who was to come would be a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And what we see as we read the Easter story is that the Christian story of hope unfolds first with a loud cry of lament on Good Friday, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it ushers in the long, simmering silence of Holy Saturday in the darkness of the tomb where we're wondering what in the world is happening and where is God in the midst of life. Ultimately, though, it comes to the inexorable conclusion of the empty tomb on Sunday morning. You see, at the heart of Christian faith is that grief and joy, grief and hope are not exclusive, that they, they coexist with one another. Grief and loss go with vision and hope because they are the story of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no greater grief than Calvary, the crucifixion of the very Son of God by the ones that he came to save. And yet there is no greater hope than Easter and the risen Christ who made himself known by coming to his disciples personally and allowing them to, to touch and see his wounds in his hands, his feet, and his side. Jesus' disciples had been going through life with a, a particular orientation based on who they believed Jesus to be and who they were in the larger scheme of the world. They believed Jesus was God's Messiah, come to save the people of Israel, to overcome the Roman Empire and to conquer the known world. The kingdom of God was at hand for them. God's justice and redemption had arrived, and they were going to rule the world with Jesus. They were even arguing over who was going to sit at the right and left hand of Jesus in power and in glory. And then something un completely unforeseen happened. The impossible, the unthinkable, the unimaginable. Jesus dies. 
And the disciples' whole world becomes disoriented and turned upside down. Yet lost in their sorrow and grief, they never could have imagined God's plan went so far beyond their expectations and their ability to see what God was doing in that moment. We pick up the Easter story in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 7, where it says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Dying at approximately 3 p.m. on Friday, he was placed in the tomb before sundown, day one. He remained in the tomb all day Saturday, day two. Until his resurrection on Sunday morning, day three. Then he was raised on the third day, just as he himself had foretold. And as there was a, a shaking of the earth as Jesus died, there was another earthquake again on Sunday morning as he rose again from the dead. And on that Sunday morning, these women came to the tomb and they found an angel, a messenger from God, with an important and yet simple announcement. Do not be afraid. He is risen. These women had come for Jesus, in whom they had placed their hopes as the Messiah, but, but now he was known as the crucified one. They had witnessed firsthand Jesus' death on the cross and his body being carried away to be placed in a tomb. And even though they were likely in fear for their own lives from the same people that had executed Jesus, they'd now come to prepare his body for burial. Even though they had believed he was the coming one of Israel, they are now coming to mourn him as the crucified one. But the angel seeks to calm their fears, saying, do not be afraid. Why? Why don't be afraid? Why, are, why should we not be fear? We have everything to fear. Because he's not here. He is risen, just as he said. In this very short message to these women, the angel gives testimony to the incredible fulfillment of Jesus' own testimony about himself and the meaning of his life death, and resurrection, which served to confirm and verify Jesus' own words about who he was and what he came to do. Do not be afraid. He has risen. Interestingly, scholars suggest that this phrase, uh, he has risen, which is translated in the NIV, is more accurately expressed, he has been raised, 
which is suggestive of the actual truth that it is the ultimate affirmation of God the Father as the one who raised Jesus from the dead, declaring in his own action once and for all the true identity of this man, Jesus, as the Son of God establishing his mission and his ministry as the emergence of the kingdom of God in a broken and a hurting world. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus not only flips everyone's expectations on their heads, but it confirms everything that Jesus taught about how the world we live in has been turned upside down and backwards and needs to be made right and whole again. Jesus' life and ministry demonstrated for us that our own human perspectives on our lives and on many things is really off the mark and falls short of what God originally intended when he created the world in love. Our understanding and use of power and authority needs to be flipped upside down. Our understanding of human relationships based on gender, ethnicity, and economics is completely backwards. Our definition of success and our understanding of how to find meaning and purpose in the world needs a total ministry makeover. Our experience of love and how we define the value in other people in relationship to ourselves needs a whole new injection of upside-down, new perspective thinking. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus shook the entire earth. I wonder, in this Easter season, how are our own lives being shaken again? How might this be a time of shaking that makes it possible for us to open ourselves to a new beginning, a new start with God in our lives, a time of resurrection in our own lives, in our own church, in our own community, in our nation, perhaps even around the world? See, at Easter time, we are invited to come again along with the women to the empty tomb of Jesus along with his disciples to come and see the place where he was laid and to consider that the tomb is empty. To pause and to reflect on this reality and the meaning that Jesus is no longer there. Jesus wasn't just raised to life in a spiritual sense. He was resurrected physically and spiritually, and his body is no longer in that tomb. As these women listen to the angel and focus their attention on this reality of the empty tomb, their world was turned upside down, mixed with fear and joy, with grief and hope when they later encountered the risen Christ personally. It all started to make sense, and all the pieces began to fall in line, and they realized that Jesus actually was the person he had claimed to be, and their response was to fall on their knees and worship him as the Lord. Their lives would never be the same again, because their Lord and their master was not just another religious teacher. He was God himself come in the flesh to save them, to redeem them, and not only them, but the whole world. As we reflect on the empty tomb this Easter, we are also invited to encounter Jesus, the risen Christ, in our own lives, personally. At the same way that, in the same way that God 
entered our world in the person of Jesus. He wants to enter each one of our own lives personally through the presence and the power of his spirit that he has poured out as a gift to each one of us. As we learn to view life from an empty tomb perspective, it may flip our own thinking upside down as well. It may put a whole new spin on how we look at and understand the meaning and the purpose and the value of our own time, talents, and treasure. As we learn to view life from the perspective of the empty tomb, perhaps our career and our finances will begin to take on a more eternal perspective, which flips our human priorities upside down, and we begin to recognize that accumulating things and wealth and material goods doesn't bring happiness. It just makes us worry more and more about those things. Or perhaps our friendships and our families And our marriages will begin to take on a whole new perspective and get flipped upside down as we begin to realize that we are sharing life with other people that God loves, other disciples of Jesus whom we are called to serve and to love as ourselves. That we're called to live out our relationships with God in in our relationships with one another and that we can't really be loving God if we're not loving others well. Or perhaps our grief and our sorrow that we experience when when we go through illness and pain and even death, whether it's due to a coronavirus pandemic or a diagnosis of disease or sudden and tragic accident, all of these experiences of our lives are put into a whole new perspective when we examine them from the perspective of the empty tomb. Of Jesus. For we now know that all of the suffering and the sorrow of life in this world is but a moment in time compared to the reality of eternal life with the risen Christ. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future in his hands, no matter what this world throws at us, we can know that life is worth the living just because he lives. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. The power that raised Jesus from the grave is the same power that God says is available to you and to me now to overcome every challenge that we are facing. As we seek to live out our lives as followers of Jesus, he is no longer just the crucified one. He is now the risen one, which means that he is present and able to help us through the power of the Holy Spirit as no one else can. 
whatever we are called to face and to go through, in Jesus' name, the power of the risen one is the same power that is available and at work in you and in me if we simply are willing to humble ourselves and put our faith and our trust in him. The incredible importance of the Easter message is not a past tense story that says that 2,000 years ago Christ rose. Christ is not the rosen one. <laughs> it's a present tense story that reminds us that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And this is what gives us boldness and confidence as we carry the good news message of the resurrection and salvation through the name of Jesus, healing and wholeness to a broken and a hurting world. That's why the angel said in verse 7, go quickly, tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. And now I have told you. You see, these women were designated by both the angel and by Jesus to carry the witness of the resurrection to the other disciples and to be the very first ones to taste and see the power of the resurrection in their own lives. Galilee wasn't only Jesus' hometown where he grew up, but it was the central location where he performed the bulk of his ministry and he, he ministered to the people in the community there. And so as the story comes full circle, Jesus is calling his disciples to go home, to come home with him and, and to remember where they began. Because out of their, their experience of coming home, he will bless them and he will send them from there to the entire world to bring this good news message that not even death can hold back the love and the power of God from meeting the deepest needs and the greatest longings of the people who turn their hearts to him. In power, Jesus is demonstrated to be who he said he was, the son of God come to save the world through whom all people now gain access to the very healing and salvation that we most desperately need in our souls. Through his sacrifice on the cross and the generosity that was poured out by God, through him, a new age of good news has come to be that salvation has begun with the sending of God's spirit and the sending of God's people to be a blessing to the whole world. Because Jesus lives, the very meaning and purpose of our lives has been turned upside down. There is no greater purpose. There is no greater calling. There is no greater activity that we can give ourselves to than to share this good news message and learn to love one another well. The things we thought were important become meaningless. And all the things that we thought were insignificant begin to take on deep, eternal value and significance through the kingdom of God and the power of Jesus' resurrection. If we're honest, can we admit that sometimes we each need a personal revolution of the heart? Sometimes we need to have our inner world shaken up. We need to be made uncomfortable so that we can open ourselves to the possibility that God may have a new thing that he wants to do in our lives. 
How about you today in this Easter season? Is this a season where God might be shaking things up in order to get you to open yourself to a new thing that God wants to do in your life? I know that at Faith Covenant Church, we are feeling the quake and we are trying to keep in step with the Spirit and understand how is God going to use this time to bring good out of the bad, to bring life out of death, to use His resurrection power to make Faith Covenant Church a whole new experience of life in the kingdom of God. And we want to invite each one of you to join us on this journey. How can you use this time of of quarantine and and having to focus your life in different ways to allow the Spirit of God to help you reflect more intensively on the reality of the empty tomb? And because He is not there, because He has risen, how might that turn your world upside down in a new and maybe even a more positive way this Easter? Because the reality is that when Jesus turns your world upside down, what you will discover is he's actually turning it right side up. Though we continue to face difficult circumstances, and until Jesus comes again, we will continue to struggle with the sin and the pain and the brokenness of life in this world. The final words of Jesus in the gospel of Matthew are what give us our greatest courage and our greatest assurance that we can carry on with his purposes in our life and that we too can experience the power of his resurrection. I want to close with sharing the words of Jesus, the risen one, who in Matthew 28, verse 20 says, and surely, surely, I am with you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. May that be true for you and for me this Easter. Would you pray with me? Holy God, as we reflect and contemplate again the empty tomb of Jesus, May that truth remind us that that Jesus is no longer only the crucified one, but he is the risen one. And as the risen one, he is here, present through the power of your spirit to work that resurrection power in our own lives. God, I want to pray for each person who's out there participating in our service this morning. I don't know what each of them is going through, God, but you know intimately and personally where each person is at, and you know what part of their life needs your resurrection power again today. God, I pray for those who have lost jobs or income due to the coronavirus, and I pray that you would keep them afloat and that you would send resources and people to encourage them, and you would allow them to get through this time. God, I pray for those who are sick and who who have lost loved ones, and I pray that you give them hope and peace in the midst of the grief and the loss of dying. God, I pray for those of us who are quarantined in our homes and and are maybe struggling with the more intimate family time and and not having the routines that we're used to and and maybe struggling in our relationships. God, would would you give us peace and comfort and the courage to lean into one another in new and healthy ways, to allow this to be a time of resurrection in our relationships. 
so that we can experience a whole new reality through the power of the risen Christ in our marriages, in our families, through our friendships. And God, I pray for Faith Covenant Church. As we worship in various places, would you continue to weave us together and give us a heart and a vision to see how even in the midst of this difficult time, we have the opportunity to be light in the darkness and to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and a hurting world. God, we praise you and we thank you this Easter that Jesus is alive and because he lives, we can face everything. It's in his name that we pray.